0: You're listening to the Arts Unknown podcast. I'm your host, Jared Rocco. If you're a first time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a returning listener, well, then welcome back. On today's episode, I got a chance to chat with Zach Fearman. Zach has had a successful career as a professional touring drummer and audio engineer. From cutting his teeth in Boston's experimental rock scene to supporting major label recording artists in Nashville, Zach has spent well over a decade playing clubs, festivals, concert halls, and arenas all over the world. He now spends his time in the North Shore of Boston, teaching music and playing regionally. I had an awesome time getting a chance to chat with Zach about what it was like to tour with a professional band and what invaluable lessons he learned from life on the road. Let's take a listen. Today my guest is Zach Fearman. Zach, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for coming on. <clears throat> of course. Um, so we want people to get to know you and your journey through music, so why don't we start at the very beginning? Sure. Uh, what's your first musical memory?
1: Wow. First first musical memory ever of me performing, I'm guessing?
0: anything no it's it's supposed to be very vague oh like wow okay. maybe first uh song you heard that really inspired you i mean you can go as far back as you can remember <laughs> well, my here. dad
1: always my dad always says uh when i when my mom was pregnant with me he mm-hmm. put uh headphones on her belly and oh, really? played in into the womb so he's he's always like you've been listening to zeppelin since before you were born so Zeppelin, <laughs> zeppelin's a big one okay. um but yeah i remember yeah Probably my first um, was definitely Zeppelin with my dad. I don't know if I remember exactly. I remember okay. vividly being very young and having him play uh, Freebird in the car. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> jamming That's out. a long one, too. It is. And I remember, yeah, I remember being really little, being like, Dad, this song's really boring. He's like, Just wait. Just wait. <laughs> Just wait. And then yeah. like they started rocking out. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Hey, there we go. Do you yeah. remember how old you were? At that I point? was probably like three or four. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was pretty young. You know, that, mm-hmm. that one definitely sticks out. Nice. It was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, very cool. And yeah. then
0: um, I should have introduced you a little bit more. You are a drummer. Yes. And also an audio engineer. Yes. Is that correct? Sure, yeah. Um, so I'm guessing at some point you took drum lessons. Is that right? Yeah. Um, okay, bring us back to that time.
1: So I had a little, little like baby kit when I was probably about four or five. Oh, wow. Okay.
0: And That's I did. Pretty young.
1: It was really young, but I didn't start taking lessons until I was. Uh, I think I was 10. I might have been 9. Okay. I'm pretty sure I was 10. Okay. Um, and now paint us a little bit of a picture of scene. Uh, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Northeast Ohio, right near Cleveland, okay. Cleveland,
0: Ohio. Um, and the listeners can't see this, but you got a nice Ohio <laughs> shirt. Oh, yeah, I do. I, on I a forgot. very rock and
1: roll kind of font <laughs> there. Where did you get that? I got that in Columbus, Ohio on the road, okay. actually. Nice. Um, Yeah, I I grew up um, in this, like, small, nice little town called Hudson, Ohio. Okay. Um, And they had a really, fortunately, a really good music program. Nice. That was, like, very well-funded, and, like, Mm -hmm. lots of kids were into it. Um, That helps. Very much so. Um, So I started in the school programs there, like, Mm -hmm. in, I think it was fourth grade, I started playing violin while I was taking drum lessons, because I knew I wanted to be a drummer.
0: Oh, interesting. Now, why did you start on violin?
1: Because in for whatever reason in grade school they wouldn't let you st- there was no you had to be in the orchestra. There was no okay. like trumpet or anything. You had to be Interesting strings for whatever reason. That's interesting so then f-
0: because a lot of schools don't have orchestra. A lot of them is band. That's exactly chorus, right. Or chorus, maybe.
1: It's, it was very strange. So okay. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I have to play to play violin. Right. Then fifth grade, I tested uh, into percussion because I wanted to be a drummer. Right, right, right. And then from there, it was like, you know, concert band. There are jazz bands I was into. And mm-hmm. then once I got into high school, it was like percussion ensemble and all that, all that stuff, stuff, too.
0: Now, let's back up a second. You said you knew you wanted to be a drummer. Any yeah. reason? Or what? was there some thing that got you in there did you hear john bonham yep
1: yeah absolutely i mean bonham is is still my favorite drummer of all time really oh yeah very much so i hit the nail on the head yeah (laughs) Um, among others but i mean yeah he's my favorite but i mean it was it was a handful of things it was definitely growing up listening to good music in my parents house they always had like rock Mm -hmm. and roll and jazz around um my uncle who is no longer with us he was a very talented um Guitar player and singer. He played for years. Nice. And he he was very supportive in my mu- musical career growing up and stuff. But I don't mm. know. I just... I always knew I wanted to be a drummer. I, I don't know exactly what it was. one of those was. things. Yeah. It just... It always appealed to me. And I was like, yeah. yeah, I have to do that. Were you a loud kid, Zach? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm, okay. You can be honest. I'm an allowed, I'm a loud adult. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was definitely... Translates
0: like, through the years.
1: Yeah. But just like every other kid that's a drummer, you know, pots and pans when you're little. Yeah. You just... Yep. My parents always tell a story. My, my that that same uncle. Mm-hmm. I was really young. I was a baby. Um, and he was he would sing, and he said I was like patting out on his arm, um, the tempo. And then he was really? like, "What?" And then he would he started to speed up, and he said I was like speeding up with really? him. Really? No yeah. way! You got <laughs> yeah, the tempo changes. Uh-huh. I was like a little like I was a baby, and I was like nine months or something. And there my parents go. were like, "Huh, it's destiny yeah. at that point, That's right?" That's right. Yeah. Or the innate ability, the genes were there. It, it sounded must like. have been, yeah.
0: Nice. Okay, so you knew you wanted to be a drummer. Yeah. Um, you finally got a chance to move away from violin and, and <laughs> yeah. to drums. Um, one year. What about lessons? Did you ever get any lessons on the drums?
1: Yeah. So I, when I was about ten, I studied with this one guy. I don't really remember his name. It was just mm-hmm. kind of this brief intro to drums, and then mm-hmm. through the school, they had once once I was in fifth grade, they had mm-hmm. band and stuff, but it was also drum instruction on, like, technique and things like that.
0: Oh, okay. Paradiddles totally, and all that stuff. Totally, yep. Get your rudiments. I'm not a drummer, but that's yep. the one fancy drum word I know. Oh,
1: yeah. We learned learn paradiddles and all those things. And then when I got into middle school, I started studying, um, I think it was late middle school. It was, like, eighth grade. Mm-hmm. This guy, um, I assume he's still playing in the Cleveland area. His name's Mark Gonder. Um, okay. and he, he was kind of, like, the guy for, um, at that point in your musical career it's a lot of jazz you know jazz Mm -hmm. band and things so he was like the guy for drum set okay and i studied with him all throughout high school nice Um, okay so at least a good four years of drum lessons yeah and it was mostly drum kit stuff with him you know Mm -hmm. like i took a little bit of xylophone and things that i hated but yeah mark
0: what was it about the auxiliary percussion or that's not auxiliary I guess
1: Yeah, it was like like classical percussion, you know, like timpani and all that. I just didn't... It was just a little too square for me. I was like, I don't don't care about this, man. I want to rock out. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Now, what was your experience like uh, being a student at that time? Um, Did you have a positive experience?
1: As as a music student?
0: Yeah, well, uh, specifically uh, with a drum teacher.
1: Sure. Um, Yes, it was... I've and honestly still to this day, and we can get into this if you want, you know, further down the road in this conversation, sure. but I've never, I, I had a good experience with that high school teacher. Okay. He definitely opened my eyes to some things like, like African rhythms and like, nice. you know, just improvisation in general, which was very useful. Mm-hmm. But even to this day, I've never had a teacher, like some guys have that like guy sure, yeah. or girl that like really like blew their minds. Mm-hmm. And like, I had moments of that, but I've never really connected with a private instructor on a very close level in terms okay. of private lessons mm-hmm. I did have band directors a couple band directors um, okay so
0: you were doing private lessons as well as in school you had that's exactly music right too. Okay. so
1: private lessons was like after school or on the weekends right and then in the school especially in high school there was I mean I was in every ensemble I did marching band jazz band like percussion ensemble orchestra like, oh my god and throughout nice. that you they would also kind of have like um, sectionals where you would get just with the drummers right, and right, you'd right. have like a teacher teach you certain aspects of it. So yeah, that's it was great. private and school instruction. You must have been known as like the drum guy. I, yeah, I won most system. musical in my senior year. The oh, yearbook. there you <laughs> go. You heard it
0: here first <laughs> uh, on the Arts Unknown podcast. That's right. Um, nice. cool. So, but you, so you had a good experience overall, but Absolutely. you never had that uh, connection or something?
1: In terms of oh. a private teacher, like just okay. strictly a drum set teacher. I right. never got like super close, but there was you know, other inspirational figures in my musical career that made it, an impression on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in terms of just, like, it, I know lots of guys have a private instructor that was like, oh, my God.
0: Right, right. You know? So that's interesting. Did you have, are these other people maybe your uh, fellow, not colleagues, what is it in high school? Your
1: peers, Sure. I guess, yeah, That my-
0: had really good teachers and then... It seems like you you had some people that said, "Oh, I had this guy," and then you're kind of comparing yourself to
1: that. Yeah, I mine was more like there was like a hand, like one or two or three band directors mm-hmm. that worked for the the school system. Okay, some were n- nicer than others, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, they were those. My high school band directors were very influential on me in terms of pushing me, okay, um, staying on me, making sure I'm practicing, not let me get away with you know. Slacking. Like, exactly. Got it. Okay. So they were they were more of an influence than my let's say like private instructors were.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So a lot of times you feel like it would totally. be the opposite. I know. It was very it's the one on one time, whereas the school teachers I mentioned that was in a group setting, right? Yeah,
1: very so... much so. And we had a big music program. I mean like the marching band, there was over three hundred kids in the marching band alone. Like that's a wow. It's a big band. So oh it was a very well attended music programme. Yeah. How big was your high school about? We were about two thousand kids. Wow. Um okay. maybe a little under, I'm sure it's over that now but mm-hmm. see, it seems like, you know, average size. Mm-hmm. Little, maybe, yeah, was that 2000 kids in the whole high school or for class? Whole high school. So my okay. class was roughly 500 kids. Okay. You know. Yeah, seems like
0: about average, yeah, you know. Yeah, totally. That I went to great. a pretty small high school. I had like 150 kids in my class. Yeah, see. So, That's less. Awesome. Um nice. Okay, cool. And um any new influences picked up along the way? You <laughs> started with Zeppelin. You said a lot of rock, a lot of jazz. Sure. Do you remember any uh, discovering any artists or bands when yeah. you were uh, learning and, and taking lessons?
1: Definitely. I mean, yeah, Zeppelin, obviously, for one. But I remember in high school, early high school, that's when I was really getting into, like, not just rock and roll, but, like, jazz music and things. And I remember mm-hmm. just always hearing when you're a young drum student, you're mm-hmm. just always being pummeled over the head with groove. You got to find your groove. Like, make sure right. you, f- you feels good. And, like, when you're a kid... You don't really. Like, I don't know have what a that group means. of Fourteen. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like, I, I sound yeah. like a fourteen-year-old. Yeah. And I remember it, it's this band. They're still around um, for the most part. They're called Medeski Martin and Wood. Um, okay. Were they
0: I, based out of Ohio? Or?
1: No, they actually most of those guys went to I think the New England Conservatory. Um, okay, in were, Boston. Yeah, they're in the Boston area. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they spent some time in New York, but. I just remember being like about fourteen or fifteen, mm-hmm. and the drummer, his name's Billy Martin. T- to this day, is still one of my favorite drummers of all time. I remember oh, wow. hearing them playing, and it's this like swampy, jazzy, groovy organ trio. I was say,
0: what kind of music do they play?
1: It's 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 kind of it's like an organ trio, but it's mm-hmm. swampy. It's it's gross. It's it's super <laughs> groovy. Sometimes they get really weird and out there. Sometimes it's just straight ahead like blues, but mm-hmm. it's it's just wonderful. Nice. And I remember hearing them. A wonderfully grooves. Yeah, oh, it is. It really is. I remember hearing one of their songs, and I remember just I I was sitting at my parents' computer, and I just played that song mm-hmm. over and over. I was like, I get groove. Like I that keep, was the light bulb. Moment. Yeah, okay. it was like, We're oh clicked. my god, man! Like these guys can play. Nice. So that was one of the the big ones as a kid. That's you know I I still love those guys to this mm-hmm. day. Did uh, you
0: ever play in any bands outside of school? Sure. Yeah, in yeah. high
1: school. In high school, I had my. My rock band motive—that was it. Motive, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we were just like we wanted to be Incubus and Blank One Eighty Two, basically. Okay, just combine uh, that. Uh huh. Got, um, got it. And then yeah, I played in a couple like jazz combo trios in high school, um, nice. and then into college and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's when it, college is when like the band thing really became something I cared about. But okay,
0: and that's a great segue. Thank you for oh, uh, yeah. laying that the groundwork yeah. for me there. I was going to transition, but that was perfect. Yeah, sure. Um, so you're getting towards the end of high school and. You're thinking, uh, what do I want to do with my life? Mm-hmm. Uh, college was a thing on your horizon? Very
1: much so. Okay. Um, and pretty much from like once I got into high school, like once mm-hmm. I was in ninth grade or so, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do music. Um, oh,
0: really? That y- early? Okay. Yeah.
1: And luckily I have still have very supportive and very loving parents and family mm-hmm. and everything. So they were like, yeah, you know, like you have a gift for this, you should try You should, you try should it. do it. Really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned your uncle too. That was already. He was yeah, also a musician. He, he was
1: a very big part of it. Um, but yeah, it was just something I knew. I mean, I, I, w- I was an okay student in high school, mm-hmm. um, but I was obviously uh, my grades were always really good in music, and it was sure. just it was just self evident. I'm like, yeah, I have to, I have to do this. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, and um, and then what did you think? All right, did you apply to some places in Ohio, or did you yeah. work elsewhere? So or?
1: actually, my f- the first. Was they actually, they weren't even on semesters And uh, The first quarter of my college experience, I went to Ohio State. Okay. Uh, and I'm not going to say the Ohio State, because that drives me nuts. <laughs> I hate when people say people that. People say that a lot. Oh, yeah. The, that's a thing. You say the Ohio the State. The Ohio University. State. That's a pretty big school, yes? Huge. It's a big state okay. school. Um, so I went there for a quarter, and it was just... It was kind of a weird experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. In what way? I, maybe I was given not great advice. That I was told the music program was like Excellent. And maybe it is for some things like education or something, but um, I got there and like the facilities were just like really bad, and I I I I don't know. It just it didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. I wasn't like connecting with any of my professors. I was really young, and I was already testing into some of the top bands, and I was Mm -hmm. like, "All right, where am I going to grow from here?" Right.
0: So that's interesting. That's pretty mature of you to see like. The trajectory, the future, like, all right, where's my growth potential here? Yeah, and I remember asking, freshman.
1: like, students and whatever, alumnists and stuff of, like, where, like, what... What do you get? At, like, where do you go from here? Right, right, right. And at the time, you know, I wasn't really interested in teaching. They were just like, yeah, you, know, you can go teach it at high school or middle school. And I'm like, man, like... I music want... ed track? Yeah. I was like, no, I don't no. want to do that. So I, I stopped being a music ed major. For, I was a music ed major for like three seconds. Then I just did jazz <laughs> studies. Okay. And then that's when I applied to Berkeley. Um, oh, okay. And like did the audition. I got in on a little scholarship and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to Berkeley. Nice, nice. Yeah. What attracted you about Berkeley? Um... I liked – so at Ohio State, all of the music courses um, – and they might still be. I don't know. But they were – it was very traditional. It was just mm-hmm. like traditional harmony and theory. Right. Like classical. Very much so. Mm-hmm. It, it was like a, a conservatory sort of vibe. Okay. And I loved how at Berkeley – like at Ohio State, it was like you're either like playing jazz drum set or you're playing like marimba and timpani. And like a concert band or, totally. or symphony. Yeah. And at Berkeley, it was like, yeah, there's all these funk ensembles and like you could learn like recording technology and, and all this stuff. It was just nice. – it aligned with what I thought I wanted at the time better, you know. Okay.
0: Okay. For sure. So you applied?
1: You got I applied, in? Applied, got in, and then in January, the January, early January 2007, I started. Nice. And I graduated 2000, job, May of 2010. May of 2010. Nice. Yes.
0: Okay. And then what was your uh, degree? Was that drum performance
1: or? I ended up to, and I'm not sure how it works now, but the uh, when I was there, mm-hmm. Um, your first two years, you're kind of like figuring out... You're just going through like the gen eds. So, it's, right. you know, you have to do your ensemble classes and lessons and all these things. Sure. And then by your, um, your third year, you're supposed to declare your major. And okay. I ended up going with um, music production and engineering. Um, okay. They called it like MP&E at the time. I'm not sure if it's still called that, but... Mm. Um, so, like, you, everybody there has to play. It's not like you could right. just go there just to record. Right. So you have to be a musician. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. So, my first two years were just playing and playing. And I was like, man, I want something a little more substantial than just a playing degree. Like, mm-hmm. either... So,
0: you were already thinking past graduation. Like for sure. Like, how am I going to
1: support myself? Yeah. Because it's like, you don't need a piece of paper to say that you can play. You either can or you can't. You know what I mean? Like, right. So, sure. I was like, but, you know, I, I might, might as well use a valuable... Uh, or learn a valuable skill. Skill set. Yeah. Sure. And um, use the resources that they have there while you're there exactly? So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I, I'll do the MPE thing, and mm-hmm. um, it was cool. It was.
0: I say, what was that experience like once you declared that?
1: It was. It's cool. It was. It was cool. It was very. Um, it's very overwhelming, and it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can also get into this too later mm-hmm. or now whenever is. It's. They set up all these expectations, or like you're you're doing all of this stuff on this crazy expensive gear, and they're teaching you all these sure. techniques and things. That doesn't necessarily align with the job market after you graduate I see, I see. college. Okay. So you're you're learning on these like n- like Neve consoles that are in like right. these million dollar studios. When in reality, like this little interface we have right here, right? In the room. <laughs> A little focus, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the majority of what people are recording on now. Sure, you know what sure. I mean? You know, obviously it varies, but right, right. So it was interesting. It was, okay. It was cool. I learned a lot about, you know, acoustics and microphones and and signal flow and, and, you know, that all was, yes, that was all very helpful. But in terms of, like, when am I ever going to be on, like, a, you know, SSL console again in my life? Right, Unless I'm working at, like, Blackbird Studio. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. So So. a
0: little bit unrealistic expectations. I would say so. Now, did you realize that at the time when you were using these? Like, wow, this is amazing. I'm never going to get a chance to use these again. Or was it later after you graduated when you got out into the real world and like, wait a minute. There's no neve consoles everywhere it,
1: it was it was definitely more towards at least the end of the of the degree and then w- in the real world after that became okay. very obvious where it was just like, yeah, I mean some of the stuff I learned was still like you know an aux end is an aux end on whatever you're using, right, but it the caliber of gear. Uh, was definitely more apparent apparent mm-hmm. after I graduated. Where I was just like, "Wow, like why why did they teach us?" <laughs> like, right, I, right. I, I don't know. And that's just, you know, it's just my experience. There's plenty sure, of guys sure. I know that do still work on those things, and that was all very valid. And, and... right, right. It really depends, case by case basis.
0: And then, how was your? Uh, I assume you took private lessons in college. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How was your experience being a student at the college level? Private lessons and and otherwise in group classes. As well. Sure.
1: Um, same kind of thing. It's like I had some teachers that were cool that like gave me some some good advice and i mm-hmm. it's not like i didn't learn anything from sure, there or whatever sure. but i again i never had the like that guy you know my mm-hmm. the guru sure you know <laughs> yeah, what i yeah. mean that i like like i didn't have my own personal yoda that's some of my mm-hmm. that's buddies a good, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. but um it, whatever i learned some some really interesting things the ensembles mm-hmm. were cool you know mm-hmm. like um yeah but, what kind of ensembles were you in i don't man i don't even you remember? I, I remember one semester I wasted a semester doing this like hand percussion like uh, course where I was just playing like congas to like, I was playing <laughs> like merengue and mambos <laughs> and all these things. And I'm like, dude, I don't play Latin jazz. Like, what am right. I doing? I got more out of the peers, the kids that I met there. Mm, and the also connections you made. the connections. And like, I learned more. I was also while I was in school, I was playing in my original band. Um, we're, okay. We were called King Orchid. Okay. And it was like this weird, like... So motive
0: broke up. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, yes. Shortly <laughs> after we formed, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I just personally, me, I found I got more out of playing and writing when, in my weird little rock band and then eventually doing some regional touring than I mm-hmm. did out of just sitting in a room learning with a private instructor. Got it. Okay. Um, so you were
0: the kind of kid that wanted to get out there and do it.
1: And absolutely.
0: Pound the pavement, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. And
1: you know, not like there was plenty of cats at Berkeley that were like, you sit in a closet for eight hours and practice and shed and shed and like that's great. Like there's mm-hmm. you could get very good that way. I just didn't and don't mm-hmm. work that way. I was like, sure. I just want to go play and tour and Yeah. So
0: Now did any of the, the teachers uh private lesson or group class uh give you any sort of instruction on hey so once you get out this is how you're gonna support yourself and these are the different careers you go
1: not really i not mean really. they there was a couple you know conversations here and there of like hey kid it's gonna be really hard out there like you know <laughs> right right do you know how to make eggs do that you know seems how to the burgers? theme
0: is like okay everyone it's usually more of a warning than advice it's like hey you're a musician good luck as opposed totally. to hey you're a musician here's some options and here's yes. what you could do
1: Yes, and there definitely was, like, you're, you're probably going to have to supplement your income for a long time, like, not just playing drums, like, what right. else can you do, you know? Right, right. Um, and that became very apparent once I graduated. I was like, oh, yeah, they were right. Like, yeah. I, I have to go wait <laughs> I was going to ask, how quickly after you graduated was it the, uh, oh, my God, moment? Like, oh, what do I, I do I do? It was even beforehand, you know? It was, yeah. I was... Touring my weird little band, I didn't have Mm -hmm. any money. I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm waiting tables. I'm Mm -hmm. delivering sushi on a bike in Boston." You know, it's like, yeah, you just you needed another job, yeah, yeah, because there's not a lot of jobs out there. Sure, sure. Let's talk
0: about that band a little bit. You said you went on tour Mm -hmm. with them. Yeah. What was that experience
1: like? It it still to this day is one of the most beautiful times of my life. I mean, it it was part of it was hard because, um, like I mentioned previously i was like you know waiting tables and i was dirt poor and i didn't have a car i was riding my bike 12 months out of the year in boston right it was but the touring was wonderful was with Mm -hmm. one of my dearest friends still to this day Mm -hmm. his name is doug wartman hi doug if you're listening hi doug (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah it was just it was a two-piece it was just the two of us and we we lived oh wow okay what did he play he played guitar, but guitar. he had like a uh, couple pedal boards that were like the size of this room, and we oh did all God. sorts of looping and distortion. And oh, it, wow. It was a lot okay. of fun. Did but you guys
0: was... get compared to the White Stripes or the Black Keys yeah, at all? Yeah,
1: but we were like way weirder. <laughs> okay. I was gonna say, it sounds weirder. It doesn't sound as
0: much like back to basics. I think yeah. those bands are more like keeping it simple, sure. Nice bluesy riffs. And we
1: both and... idolized those bands and mm-hmm. still do to some extent. But
0: um, how did the idea come about to do a, a duo? Was it more of like, hey, we like playing together let's see what we can do with these minimal instruments or was there some other reason
1: um, that's a good question it was more like he and I were became best friends quickly and mm-hmm. we had this really good chemistry personally and musically mm-hmm. and we tried a couple different things like we tried playing with a cellist at one point we tried oh, wow maybe like toss around the idea of just bringing other people in mm-hmm. and the music we were writing and playing was very complicated, very like oh, really odd not. time signatures. Yeah, it, I was gonna say what kind of style? It was like we always just it. We said it was loud, fun, experimental rock. I mean, it, okay. it was riffy and loopy mm-hmm. and whatever. But it, it just it was. We were like, man, why like ruin a good thing? Let's just keep it too right, <laughs> right, yeah. So we just did that. But the the touring was great. Like we just. Mm-hmm went all over the country and and wow okay. um, what played... was that
0: like how did you set that up did you was there any blueprint for here's how to tour cuz i feel like most people kind of figure it out as they go
1: right it, um there was a website at the time um is it called i'm gonna blank on the name now that i need to think about it um, like how to tour for dummies kind of, kind of but website. it was like they gave you all the venues and the contact information really um who yeah. put that together that's amazing it was great and we basically just booked our own tours and we had other friends okay. and bands that were touring in this like little boston rock scene that mm-hmm. had done it um before us and like try calling this venue and talk mm-hmm. to this guy and we just we, we would piece together these one to three, three and a half week tours, okay, and like we played south by Southwest in Austin a couple of years, and nice. like we would just kind of play up and down the East coast into the mm-hmm. Midwest and a little of the south mm-hmm. but it it was great, you know it was like yeah, we were broken, yeah, but we were playing music and it was awesome
0: and and you guys were doing all the booking and
1: all the calling and all that absolutely kind of stuff. yeah, we didn't have. A, a label. No manager or no. anything like that. No, or... not at all. There was like this little rock scene in Boston that kinda called themselves like the Half Pint collective and it was <laughs> us a and a handful name. of other bands. Yeah, and we would like kind of support each other on tour and locally mm-hmm. and help I would each say other did out. you ever
0: tour with any other of those bands?
1: Absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, how does that
0: work? How did you how did you organize that?
1: Uh just over beers at somebody's house, <laughs> you know, like, Hence the name, the half pint. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And and like Doug and I, we were a two piece, but we also got uh, we were brought into this other band mm-hmm. um, to be like the rhythm section because their drummer okay. and bass player left. Okay, so we just kind of a lot of cross pollination. Yeah, going it was on. very in, uh, ancestral sort <laughs> of. music That's combiner. one way to put it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
0: what was I going to say? Uh, I was thinking about the the manager thing or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. For anyone that's listening, that is in a band or is solo artist or whatever, would you say it's, it's a good idea to try to get someone to help you out, you know, whether their title's a manager or whatnot, it doesn't really matter. But, or, uh, would you say just go out and do it yourself and figure it out as you go along?
1: I, it's, uh, kind of a bit of both. Like it okay. was one, like re- just really good lessons learned, booking this on your own and learning how hard it is and like, right. Piecing together tours and trying to get paid and trying to get Mm -hmm. enough gas money, you know, like. Sure. But if you can afford it, I'd say the first thing to get would be like a, a booking agent um, okay sure yeah. because that's the hardest thing to do when you're on your own I mean now especially nowadays you can record a record in like somebody's mom's basement you know right, and right. it'll sound okay yeah so like you can do a lot of stuff on your own now booking is definitely hard especially when you're first starting out right um, you're
0: just... trying to focus on the music I would imagine and that's kind of a distraction almost
1: yeah totally and just other aspects of you know at the end of the day it is a business if you're trying to make money at it so mm-hmm. yeah it's hard to do it's hard to keep all those balls in the air being juggled sure yeah i was gonna say what was the
0: most difficult or your least favorite thing about touring and what was uh, maybe one of the easier and one of your favorite things about touring if you could think of the, those two extremes
1: sure um at least that kind of touring when we were just like in a small little car because um, we haven't even gotten to nashville touring and we'll get there but yeah <laughs> um the honestly the hardest part is and that kind of goes for touring really anyways but mm-hmm the lack of sleep. Like, you don't eat well. You don't mm-hmm. have, like, almost any personal space, especially oh, when you're geez. in a two-piece band in a Volkswagen GTI yeah. <laughs> driving to New Orleans from you Boston. You get to know your buddy pretty well, oh, I yeah. imagine. Yeah, and lucky for, you know, my bandmate and I, we were very close. But mm-hmm. um, So that's that's the hardest part, is just mm-hmm. the lack of personal space, you know, and mm-hmm. nutrition. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, uh, But, yeah, I mean, the best part was... Especially when you're young, you know and you mm-hmm. have, don't have responsibilities, it was like I, we're seeing a new we're playing music in a new city every night and wow. like seeing the country, mm-hmm. you know it must and, be incredible. It is, especially when you've never done it before. You know, mm-hmm. that def, like everything else, you do too much, it gets old. But Right. Um, but that first time, that first tour. First two or three, you know, you're just like, wow, man, like, we're doing it. <laughs> this, that's great. This is really cool. Now, how did
0: you get people to turn out for the shows? Was it one of those things where it's like a bunch of different bands? Because that would be my, you know, if I was a young artist right now or uh, in a band or something like that, it's like, all right, the main thing is how do you get people to come out in sure. a place that you've never been before and people have never heard of you before? Right.
1: Um, it all starts, or rather, it should start locally or regionally, mm-hmm. and that that model will go towards when you start touring too. Mm-hmm. You want to start just as an opener. And hopefully for a band that can draw more than three people. Right. You get your opening slot and it's just mm-hmm. like anything else. You, you Hopefully you play well in the word of mouth and you, you get booked on another bill with like a bigger band and then right. maybe you start, you move up. Now you're direct support instead of opener. Right. And then locally, hopefully over the time, mm-hmm. you're headlining shows and then people are coming to your shows and you're... Paying it forward, helping right, the right, right. Band. So
0: the cycle continues there. Yes. Once you get a little bit higher on the the ladder, there you can yes. help a younger band or a younger. But artist. it's
1: it's more important, or more. Uh, uh, it makes a bigger difference when you're on tour to get booked with somebody that has a draw because in your local, mm. in your the town you're from, you mm. can always have your buddies show up or you know your mom, you know, right, like, right, your family, they or whoever. can fill a room. Yes, yeah, yeah. like so when you're touring, that's the biggest thing is make sure you you book yourself not just like as an opener but as an opener for somebody that can draw. Right. And can see you and like you can sell merch and you can maybe sell a record like. Right, right, right. But it's just it's just that, you know. Mm-hmm. Nowadays with all social media media and stuff, it's probably a different ballgame. Right.
0: Now when you guys were doing this, was social media still like a new thing? Totally. Or, yeah, yeah, this
1: was like 2000 um eight nine ten okay and, so facebook 12. was around it was around but like you know there wasn't like all of the like how important instagram is now to like right. artists and, and
0: everyone's a marketing expert now exactly this is how you're supposed to do it and how yeah. many times a
1: day are you supposed to post and that we were still, that everyone's still figuring it out back then you right. know it was like was myspace still a thing totally i remember yeah. when we first started we had a myspace really yeah, nice yeah, so you laugh the, now people but yeah it was a in the day that was legit oh yeah
0: yeah, I remember once uh when I was doing my own kind of music thing and uh someone I said, "Oh, I have a music Facebook page." They're like, "Well, you know, you really should get something serious like a MySpace page. Like, <laughs> yeah. Facebook's okay, but like you want if you want to take yourself seriously, oh, you get yeah. MySpace." And now it's like how the tables have turned. Right. Exactly. Um, Wow, okay, so you guys were just, did you really utilize any social media stuff, or was it more, how did you promote yourself, I
1: guess? We tried, I mean, we de- We put some videos and things on YouTube of, like, tour right. videos and stuff, but no, I mean, honestly, for the most part, it was, it was play the show, and we had a really nice merch set up with, like, like, all these vintage okay. suitcases and lights and oh, things. Oh, wow. But we were doing it old school, We well, mm-hmm. relatively old school, we had an emailing list. Mm-hmm. And we would play our show We'd be like, hey, see you guys at the merch table. Sign up right. if you dig it. If not, that's cool. See you later. Right, right, right. And we would write everyone's email down mm-hmm. that night or the next morning in the hotel or the van or whatever. You yep. like put in all the email lists and it. send it out. So it wasn't... Mm-hmm.
0: And that was like keeping tabs on the tour? Like, hey, guys, this is what we're up yep. to. We're like, Maybe a know, new song coming out, new album. Totally. That's exactly
1: right. Nice. Yeah, just doing it ourselves.
0: That's great. And did you get uh, a lot of people to sign up? Was that a successful model that you found?
1: Um, relatively, relatively, yeah. I mean, we never got big nationally or anything. But like mm-hmm. in our our little world in Boston, mm-hmm. like um, when we were leaving, we, we we had like a farewell residency at oh, wow. um, this rock club in, in Alston. It's called O'Brien's. It's still there. Mm-hmm. Um and it was cool. We like sold it out every night, every Saturday for a month straight, you know, That's and it was great. like fans showed up to like sh- show us off, you mm-hmm. know, or, you know, be like, thanks for all the years. And Sure, sure. So that was, that was cool. It was very rewarding. You That's know?
0: great to hear from a, for a duo with a bunch of loops and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that too, you know. Yeah, um, it was nice. Cool. So how long did you do that for? How long was that a thing?
1: That was probably about four and a half years. Okay. Four and a half, five years. And
0: this did this start when you were in college, and then kind yeah. of led into the real world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. we
1: we met in in school, and then yeah, toured for like a year or two after, and then mm-hmm. around twenty thirteen, mm-hmm. I, I moved to Baltimore for a quick two years working for this production company. We don't even to talk about it, it was awful. Okay. <laughs> just like a, just like this. Just <laughs> skip right over that. Part yeah. Of your life. I, I I figured out I didn't really belong in corporate America. Mm-hmm. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. And then I, yeah, then I moved to Nashville. And
0: you moved to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: From Baltimore? Did you move back to Boston? No, Boston, Baltimore, Nashville.
0: Okay. Right in a row. And let's start there. How, how did you end up moving to Nashville?
1: So a lot of my buddies from college, mm-hmm. with, with gra- like uh, Berkeley buddies, yep. graduated and moved there. Okay. Some of my dearest friends. Uh, mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, man, like, what are you doing? Like, come to Nashville. Like, you can make a career. <laughs>
0: really? Okay. <laughs> so they drums. said, hey, you can make a yeah, career
1: here. Yeah. Like, a bunch of them were already, like, either touring or doing, mm-hmm. you know, like, production stuff and making mm-hmm. good money. And they yep. were, like... When you say production stuff, what do you mean exactly? Uh, a couple like buddies a producer? Of, yeah. A couple buddies of mine were in the studio world. A couple mm-hmm. of them were doing um, live front of house, like, touring, doing, okay. like, okay. sound for bands. Yep. Uh, but, the, you know, like, a lot of it was, like, at the tour bus level, you know? And I was right. like, oh, wow, cool. You know, I want to do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were just encouraging, and I was like, and yeah. And you were hating your
0: life in Baltimore,
1: yeah. that job. <laughs> which so is easy to like, do. Right. <laughs> no offense, Baltimore. No, it's all good. Uh, and then, not,
0: not a knock on the city, just right. on the job.
1: Exactly. So, okay. yeah. I and then you Asheville.
0: said, okay, that sounds like a deal.
1: And I went, yeah, and uh, it was great.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean, so, what did you do once you got there? Was there gigs immediately, or, like, you no, have to establish God yourself? No. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you think it is. When you're right? moving there, you're like, oh, I have all these friends. I'll be touring tomorrow. And it's like, no. Right. No. Uh, and it's, you know, just like any anybody else thinking about being in music, you're going to have to do some gigs you don't like, either musically or otherwise. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a lot of... I was... I was flipping eggs. I delivered flowers. I mean, oh, like okay. I did all sorts of stuff. And then mm-hmm. I, that's when I got into doing live sound because I could um, kind of be in the music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you said you had a lot of experience with that at college, yes. Too, so. um, but that was mostly studio stuff. So that, I had never really oh, done right, too right, much right. Okay. live sound. Mm-hmm. Sound. Um, so yeah, I moved there and like I just started, you know, networking with people. Luckily, mm-hmm. I had well-connected friends that were the reason I was there, and they, they right that always helped accelerated it. Yeah,
0: right. So that's another thing, uh, you know, just for anyone listening as far as being a musician or anything in the arts is uh, having those connections. That seems like that really speeds up the process as far as very much finding so. a way to support yourself.
1: Yes. And I, you know, say this with full confidence. I have the best friends in the world and they all, you know, care about me very much. And I do too. So mm-hmm. they were always looking out for me. And if, they, if somebody needed a drummer, like, oh, get my buddy Zach on there. And, right. It's just like anything else. You know, you start doing that. Somebody hears you like, oh, this cat can play. Let's get him on another gig. And, Mm -mm. you know, you just kind of... Just the
0: snowball effect.
1: Yeah, you figure it out.
0: Nice. How long did it take before uh, things really started picking up? Like, were you able to quit the... Flipping eggs yeah. and delivering flowers job eventually.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I it was probably like a couple years into it where it was like, okay, like I have a relatively steady gig. I would still have to supplement my income doing other things, but mm-hmm. it was like, no, like I'm I'm playing drums every week, every weekend, or like okay. I'm on the road for three, four days every was, week, every other week.
0: Was that a one band or one group, or was that just enough stuff that it kind of all added up to? At something first, substantial.
1: It, yeah, that's a good question. At first, it was just kind of one-offs, just like, sure. this artist needs a guy for a gig or two, and then they're like, okay, did that, move on to the next one. Right, right. And then the more I was around, I started to play with a certain artist for like a few months, and then it would be like a year or something, right. you know what I mean, mm-hmm. and, and become a little more steady. Got it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, either way, I was a hired gun. You know, sure, that's sure. kind of the the. Thing. What was that experience like? Having to jump into a lot of different roles. It was really intense, especially at first, because up until then, like when you get to Nashville, mm-hmm. everybody can play for right. the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. every it's like it was like me going from high school to Berkeley. It's like you you think you're a big deal, and then right. you get to Berkeley, and you're like, wow, I'm terrible. This right, is- <laughs> right. So, um, in in Nashville. That process was crazy because I would have to jump in and you're expected to learn two hours of music mm-hmm. by like, you know, a day from now. Right. So that's when writing charts for myself became very um, useful. And I sure, was taught okay. how to do that by some of my drummer friends that had already been doing it. And right. So it's just, it, you got to be good and you got to be quick. And that was right. like, it was it was really intense. Time was across. of the essence there for sure. Very much so, Yeah. Okay. So that was that was something else.
0: Nice. And then eventually it turned into something where it wasn't a one off thing. You had a, a more steady gig.
1: Yeah, I started playing for a few artists. Um, and then I was playing for this artist, Eric Van Houten for a while. And then um, I got for the last like two, two and a half years, I was there. I played for this artist named Josh Phillips, a country artist, And we we did some of Like a bunch of headlining shows, but we also were on tour with like bigger country artists, Mm -hmm. uh, like Luke Combs and Brantley Gilbert and all these things. Mm -hmm. And but it was that was my gig. I like very rarely would take like a little side thing. It was like I was exclusively playing for this artist. It's still all just like a handshake deal, right? Right. Um, It's not written down on paper, it's kind of an understood, yeah. And that's how that all of that works for the most part. I was gonna ask, is that typical? Very much so, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's a it's a it's kind of a strange relationship as a hired gun, especially mm. when you're with a band or an artist for a while, mm. because you're you, you're their employee at, right. in some respects. But like you're on the road with these people and you're eating and drinking together and right. sharing you're hotel rooms, you know them. You become very close very quick. Right. So like the lines of friendship and business can get blurred and things. Sure. But, sure. But still, it's it's all. You never sign a contract, you know. It's just like, really okay, yeah. It's just uh,
0: that's surprising to me. I feel like once at a, at a certain level, it might be like, okay, we need to write this down so everyone's on the same
1: page. And for the like big guys, you know, <clears> the <throat> ones that are selling you know millions of right. records, I'm sure, stadiums, it's, and yeah, stuff like that. that is different because people get salaried and you know, there's all sure. these sure, yeah, yeah, things. But for the, where I was, mm-hmm. you know, it was. And where the vast majority are, it's much more casual and just an understood agreement. Like, yeah, you're you're my drummer. Don't screw me over. <laughs> like, right. Please, don't yeah. leave tomorrow. You know.
0: Right. Because I imagine if that happens too, you know, you've talked about how important the network is and your friend group is. If you were to do something bad like that, oh. you have a black mark on you. Like, and oh, that's I've the seen drummer it who did... you have. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Where it's just like, yeah, man, that guy can play, but whatever. He's really picky. He's really finicky on the road, or like, oh, he's a great player, but he. He never showers, you know, like, or he's always wow. late. It's like... Yeah,
0: really flaky or something like that.
1: Yeah, they, they call Nashville the little big town, you know, and that's, that's the, a band, but it's also... Right, right. Uh, it's true. It's it's this huge music industry, but it's like a, this very finite amount of people. Everybody knows each other. Right. And you see each other on the road. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. hey, man. So...
0: So it's a tight-knit group of people. Yeah,
1: so you only get so many strikes before sure. word starts going around, you know. Right,
0: right. Did you like that kind of an environment? Because it seems like Boston and maybe Ohio was like that for you as well, kind of that... You know, you had your network. It was kind of a small town
1: in some yeah, ways. I did like it. Um, just like some things, it, it got to be a little clicky sometimes, and you okay. would see like the that. But I, I didn't. I didn't really pay attention to any all to, to any of that really. I, mm-hmm. I I liked it. It's a very social town. You know, mm-hmm. you you get to know everyone, and um, mm-hmm. and everybody... is there
0: a lot of other stuff besides country? Because I feel like Nashville kind of gets stereotyped as oh, that's a country music town. But I've heard in more recent years, it's more.
1: Diverse is that Very your experience? So. Yeah. Country is still king. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so like that makes sense. Yeah. That's and the history is there. It is in the industry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like all of the most of the publishing deals are p- people are writing country songs. Mo- right. You know, most of the record deals are country artists. It's, right. it's still country is still king there. But mm-hmm. like I played in like kind of like a punk rock band there, and, I, and when I was a front of house engineer, I saw everything. I saw hip hop. I saw. Oh, like wow. rock there's a, a decent metal scene there um, lot lots of pop music. so yeah I mean it's it's music city country is still king, but it is definitely music city for a reason. There's a lot going on there
0: nice nice yeah and uh, and how long did you play with that band for?
1: I was with Josh um, for about two a little over two years like in between two two and a half years mm-hmm. um, up until when my, my fiance and I who I met in Nashville mm-hmm. we just moved back to Massachusetts recently. oh nice um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I was with Josh for the the last uh, yeah like two and a half years or so.
0: How did he take it when you had to leave? Was that a <laughs> tough thing to be
1: like, "Hey, buddy, uh, man, I'll let you know." No, he he still to this day is a very dear friend of mine, uh, and I I quit or quit. Mm-hmm. I stopped touring because I am getting married, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, my fiance and I want to start a family and things, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to be trying to raise a family on the road when i'm gone all the time and none sure. of our families live there okay so i told josh all of this and he was like yeah dude i get it man like that's great yeah, yeah. you know like he had a kid he understands it, mm-hmm. it was no it was, it was great
0: nice yes. that's great and that more or less brings us up to present day yeah nice. Right. so what are you doing now what are your activities music wise man
1: i'm figuring that all out you know yep. it's like i'm i'm playing with uh Dear friend of mine, Tony Rosado, who's part of the um, Creative Peaks. Yep, thing. yep.
0: He's a previous podcast guest That's as right. well.
1: Um, playing with him, some of my college buddies are still here. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, I've been hitting up right, right. about playing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start teaching and get back into actually like teaching privately or maybe even publicly. And uh, okay, but you know, it's one of those things I have to. I have to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I will. So nice,
0: yeah. nice, and that also seems a theme as as far as musicians goes is you just. You got to keep figuring out. You don't want to stop.
1: Absolutely, it's
0: kind of like the what's the thing about the shark? If a shark stops swimming, it dies. Right? Would that be a, a appropriate metaphor yeah. for this kind
1: of situation? Very much so. And it's you know, one of the things I was told when I was a little kid getting into music that I didn't really understand until I got older and really experienced it was being a musician isn't a job. It's not a career. It's a lifestyle. It's everything mm-hmm. around it. Yeah. It's, and I still feel that way about it. It's, it's not mm-hmm. something. It's like what you do for fun. It's what you do when you're sad. It's what you do when you're bored. It's like right, right. it's it's everything. So right. I have to do it. It's there's no other option. Right, you right, right. I mean? And I,
0: I've heard that from a lot of different musicians and artists as well. Right. Um. Just in general. Um. If anyone wants to listen to anything that you've done, do you have any music online from any of your previous bands?
1: Um. Yeah. Um. All of King Orchid's stuff is probably probably still on uh, Spotify and Apple Music. Mm-hmm. Um. I was in a band in Nashville. Uh, they're still playing. They're called Have a Rad Day. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, they, they have like an EP out that I was on. Uh, mm-hmm. I played on a record by a band in, Nash- or in uh, Boston called Dirty Dishes. Uh, mm-hmm. The record's called Guilty. I was on some of those tracks.
0: Sounds like you got a lot of different stuff in a lot of different places you're on.
1: Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Nice. Um,
0: I could see. Is that something you'd like to do As as far as like, oh, kind of hopping from project to project as opposed to sticking with one group for a while sure yeah yeah i mean
1: yeah i did a little bit of session work when i was in nashville and i always found that very satisfying to just mm. like yeah like we're gonna we're gonna do this song today and then right you know the next time i'm in the studio it's like a you completely know completely like, different scenario yeah, like a bluegrass song you know and right. now, now we're doing like whatever metal, right you know
0: you like the challenge of that kind of having to sure. shift into different roles yeah if
1: i can do it <laughs> I right can't, i can't play everything but that's all good yeah all
0: good. we're only human right yes exactly um right. Nice. Well, that, that's pretty much all I had to, uh, that I wanted to talk to you about today. I guess I always just like to wrap up with, uh, you know, what advice would you give young artists and musicians who want to make a living in those fields, whether they're, you know, uh, elementary school, high school or yeah. adults? Um, uh, just based on all your incredible experience there, what, what kind of advice would you give if someone came to you and said, hey, I want to be a musician. Right. What should I do? <laughs>
1: sure. Um, I know it's very open ended, but no, but that that's it's an important thing to ask, especially when you're young thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say be patient. Um, make sure mm-hmm. you do practice, but I would say more important than practice, make sure you go and play, play live in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how you're going to get better: is learning how to how an audience reacts, what works, what doesn't work. Sure, um, sure, and that's something I haven't
0: actually talked about too much on this podcast. You want to speak to that a little bit as far as audience? Well. Yeah. Their reaction or, or <laughs> lack of reaction.
1: Yeah. I, and that's the other thing. Like That goes back into being patient because mm. you're going to have nights where you're killing it and everybody's loving it and then you'll play the next city the next night and it's like as if nobody's even in the room listening to you and you're like, what did we do different? Right. So it's okay. You're going to screw up. You're going right. to have terrible nights. You're mm-hmm. going to have great nights. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had nights where I've played in front of – Ten people, mm-hmm. and it was one of the best shows of my life. And I've had nights where I've played in front of thirty thousand people, and it right. was awful. You right. know? Wow. And you're like, so it's it doesn't it's not the the size. It's it's how you go about the show. And if it right. doesn't go well, that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's always the next night, right? Um, so yeah, I guess that's goes into being patient. Just mm-hmm. don't you know, it'll be okay. Right, right. Don't uh,
0: jump to conclusions too quickly just because you have one bad show. Yes, like, that's oh, exactly right.
1: Uh, Because I've seen people they get in their own head about things. Sure, well I can
0: I can imagine it's tough for the self esteem. Sure, you know if you have a few bad shows in a row, it's like should I be doing this? Maybe I should quit music. Right. That's an easy. That's a slippery slope. I imagine.
1: Yes, it very much is. You just got to kind of like you know like if if a quarterback gets sacked, you can't just play the rest of the game. You're like, oh, I just got sacked. It's like, all right, next play. All right. 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 Got to keep keep going. (laughs) Got to keep moving.
0: Was there anything you did to help you not kind of get trapped in that mode of thinking when you had a bad show?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I. I would try and think, what did I do wrong? And if I realized I didn't do anything wrong, which th- was rare, but I was like, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? I did my best. Mm-hmm. I was, like, really trying hard out there. And they'd... sometimes audiences just aren't into it. And there's nothing you can do. They're Either they're too drunk. They're, yep. It's not their their genre of music. Right. You just got to be like, you know what? Whatever. that's that out of thin. your control sometimes. Yeah. And that's okay. And, like, just... All you can do is just be, show up to the gig prepared, right? <laughs> like, do, do your, your gig. part, yes, yep. and you'll keep getting called, and you'll have good shows. It's that's that's okay. Awesome. Yeah. Cool.
0: Well, I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Thank you, Zach, cool. so much for coming Dude, on thank the podcast. You. I appreciate it, man. Really appreciate it. Shake hands, even though it's yes. a podcast, no one can yeah, see that, but saw that's that. okay. <laughs> Take our word for it. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for being on the show, and uh, everyone who's listening at home. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Jared Rocco. And you have been listening to the Arts Unknown Podcast. See you next time. All right, that's it for today's episode of the Arts Unknown Podcast. I'd like to say a special thank you to my guest today, Zach Fearman, for coming on the show and sharing his stories. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Arts Unknown Podcast, consider subscribing to the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. I'm also happy to announce that we now have a YouTube channel where you can find all of our latest episodes. We'd also love to hear your thoughts on the show, so leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher to let us know how we're doing. My name is Jared Rocco, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.